With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good Wednesday to you. Welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. Uh, I'm excited about today's show. Um, because we've said from the get-go, part of the goal of the show is to bring you things that you're not going to see anywhere else. And today is uh, Exhibit A. You've heard me talk a lot about what the Biden administration has been doing, the complicity of the media, uh, the impact on our lives, and the lurch to the left. Today, we're going to break down an issue that may not be the most sexy thing in the world, but I'm telling you it's going to impact every single person's lives. It's something the Biden administration is trying to do ahead of next election. Remember last cycle, they did all this student loan stuff? They tried to show students that, you know, we should you should get excited before the midterms. Well, now they're doing it with seniors. Um, and if you're a senior... If you're a kid that has a family member taking uh, prescription drugs, you are going to want to watch this because the Biden administration came out at the beginning of the week and named 10 drugs that are on Medicare, Eliquis, Jardian, Sorelto, and the list goes on and on. Stolera, you get it. Um, that many of you might be on or know someone who takes it. And the Biden administration is now telling you that they're going to negotiate with Medicare to bring the story down. That's such a, uh, that, I mean, that to a lot of people, they're great. Bring it on. But will you actually see the benefit and what are the long-term consequences? That's not what they're telling you. The bumper sticker's nice, but that's not what happens. And I think we're gonna have a conversation later on in the show that is gonna give you the reality of what's happening. And it's, again, if you have a senior in your home, you're not gonna wanna miss this. Plus, Congressman James Comer, Chairman of the House Oversight Committee, he subpoenaed the Secretary of Homeland Security, several DA, uh, Secret Service officials, in this Hunter Biden investigation, did they tip off, did the FBI tip off the Secret Service that they were coming after Hunter? We'll get into that. And as I said, this conversation with Joe Grogan, who is Trump's former domestic policy director. He was Trump's, Trump's top aide in the White House when it came to domestic policy issues. He knows the issues of healthcare, prescription drugs, Medicare, like the back of his hand. He is going to bring us unbelievably unique insight that you will not trust me on this see anywhere else. So let's get into it. All right, a lot to get to today, but as always, please do me a huge favor. Um, if you're watching on the first, thank you. Appreciate that. Always love the viewers on the first. Thanks for your feedback. If you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, please make sure you hit that subscribe and notification button. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, thank you. Uh, the key is those are four great places. YouTube, Rumble, Apple, Spotify. Please go to all four and just subscribe. It helps us grow the show. It helps sponsors. Uh, so I, if you could just take a moment and do that, I really appreciate that. Especially on YouTube, hit that notification button so that no matter where you are, I come into your life every day and make it better. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Big news out of Washington yesterday. The House is not back in session until next week. But James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, doesn't care. He sent subpoenas to the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, Mayorkas, and a bunch of Secret Service employees because, according to them, they were a pair ready to interview Hunter Biden on December 8th. Now, that was part of the transition, right? Biden didn't get sworn in until January 20th. And all these guys are going to get Secret Service protection. Obviously, Biden was the president-elect. Um, and so they, the FBI and the IRS, we've heard these whistleblowers. Um, they were telling their counterparts in the Secret Service, Hey, we're gonna we want we're gonna go investigate Hunter. We want to do an interview with him on December eighth, and suddenly Hunter's not around to be, you know, to to question. Hmm. And from what they know through these whistleblowers, they were tipped off by the Secret Service. So Mayorkas oversees the Secret Service. They want to know in Congress: Did you guys tip this guy off? Did you tip everyone off? I mean. And that's that's where the rub comes in, right? If you think about it, we talk all the time now about obstruction of justice, defying subpoenas. Well, here we go. Let's see if these guys, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. By the way, Peter Navarro, one of Trump's aides, is literally in court right now because he failed to comply with the January 6th subpoena. Now, I've had issues with the January 6th committee because I didn't think it was a legitimate committee. Uh, anytime for the first time in the history of the United States, you're not allowing the minority to name their members because Nancy Pelosi didn't like some of the comments they made. But anyway, I might not digress, but here's my point here. They, that committee issued subpoenas. Navarro claimed executive privilege, which has been, you know, a judge's ruled against. But the bottom line is he didn't show up for subpoena. Now the question is, will the DHS secretary, Mayorkas, show up for this? We've had all these people in the past on the on the Democratic side ignore Eric Holder, et cetera, ignore congressional subpoenas. Why is it that when Republicans get subpoenaed, they get brought to trial? But when these guys do it, and I only say that, I'm trying to get ahead of ourselves here, but what, what's going to happen to these folks? What happens to Mayorkas and these other Secret Service folks if they don't abide by the subpoena? It'll be interesting because, you know, the media won't cover it. They have no problem talking about Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro and others not complying with the subpoena. But will Mayorkas, will he show up? Will he give them what they want? I'll, I'll be interested because I think maybe he shows up, but he doesn't tell them anything. He's going to want to, you know, he's going to say that he can or he doesn't have anything to recall that. But these whistleblowers are very clear that Mayorkas and the Secret Service folks, or somebody in that orbit, tip, was tipped off Hunter Biden and his team because he didn't show up and he couldn't be found. Why? I wanna- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We continue with a couple of the other political stories that are happening um, 
because we're going to have a great discussion in a little bit about what the Biden administration is doing that you are not going to want to miss. But you've got the New York Attorney General, and I feel like Letitia James like has been the odd man out, and she she craves attention. She campaigned on getting Trump, and it was like Alvin Bragg, the DA in New York, that did it. You know, I, th I feel like she thinks that she's missed out on the get Trump movement. Um, she has asked the court to sanction Trump for raising a failed legal argument. Now, if you listen to me for a while, you know I'm not an attorney, but I, I don't understand. Like, if you make a failed legal argument, then you lose. Like, okay, what's the what's the big deal? You may not like it, you may not like him, but isn't that allowed? Like, aren't we allowed to make bad arguments? Isn't that allowed under the First Amendment? Isn't that allowed legally? I mean, a lot of times when you hear about legal strategies, somebody tried something new and or you know was was. Uh, innovative in how they approach their legal case. And a lot of times if you're successful, they call you a savant. They're like, oh my God, no one had ever done this. But she's now trying to figure out how to get in on the action and go after Trump. Um, so I say this because I it'll be really interesting if this is, becomes a bandwagon effect, which is kind of what I think it is. I think these folks on the left are all trying to figure out how they can get a piece of the action. They all want to be Jack Smith and now Fannie Willis down in Georgia. They're all like, how do I get in on this? How can I become famous on the left? Despite losing or not being successful, you've heard, you know, I think we played that clip from Joy Reid the other day in MSNBC, and they're all like, you know, she's our hero now. Going after Trump makes you a hero on the left. It doesn't matter whether you're successful or not. And the details don't matter, and the legal arguments don't matter. I mean, this idea of saying that we're going to sanction Trump for raising a failed legal argument Okay, so, but I think they recognize, hey, we're in New York, we could probably get them on anything. So let's just do it. Um, and I think that's something that um, we're gonna keep an eye on this. But I, my prediction is that this is, this is the new bandwagon for, for folks on the left to jump on. So, you know, pick your next leftist state, Massachusetts or, you know, who knows where, right? And every DA is gonna find some hook or reason to go after Trump and try to say that you know they're the new hero to the left. So I say that because we will continue to keep an eye on this, but I don't think that we've heard the last of it. I think that this is um, where we're going now, which is find any loophole, any business transaction that you can. You know, he stayed in a hotel in this state, and we can now say that it's a, it's a, it's a transaction or a, a, a reason to go after Trump. But this is, you know, Dershowitz wrote the book, Get Trump. We talked to him extensively about the 14th Amendment and what they're willing to do. But I, I've talked to lawyers in different cases. And I've said, I don't understand as a non-lawyer, how is that permitted based on the, the little that I know about the law? And they'll say, well, it's a new era. It's unbelievable. Um, we talked yesterday about Anthony Fauci as well. Um, and it's interesting because... I didn't think about this connection perfectly until I started to read some of the discussion later. But you heard him talk about the efficacies of masks and how despite the studies and despite blah, 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 they're still important. We need to bring them back. We need to whatever. But yesterday morning, we didn't really get into this because I don't think it's a big issue. The first lady tested positive for COVID. And I want to show you sort of how some of the mainstream media is covering it. Real quick, if you will, who needs to get a booster and when? 
So all of us need boosters. Um, so at six months of age and up, uh, we're going to have boosters by the end of this month, hopefully. And those will protect, we believe, very strongly against these new versions of the virus. All right. So she tested positive and now we all need a booster. And I guarantee you the mask thing is coming back. And that was the other thing that I thought was interesting, by the way. Uh, there was this discussion about whether Biden was going to wear a mask or not wear a mask. This is their opportunity. This is the foot in the door. Saw a, a school in D.C. talk yesterday about how they're clo- or outside of D.C. It's in Maryland, I think they're closing. But it's like Joe Biden got it in Delaware. Now all of us have to pay for it. It's unbelievable. But we're all now going to get boosters. And it's funny because they started to dial all this back. And then now it's boosters and masks all over again. Um, so I just, we, we will keep an eye on this. We will be focused on this, but I'm just telling you that, um, I think that as we head into fall and more people get the flu again, remember that the flu, it's normal during the fall and the winter that suddenly we are going to get told we've got to mask up again. We're going to have closings and everyone's going to, um, you know, tell us that we can't have these discussions, whatever, or, or, you know, we've got to get back into boosters and math, but trust me on this. Um, this is where we're headed and it's going to, the, the drumbeat's going to get louder because Joe Biden gave them the perfect opportunity to tell us that we all need to go get our booster and we need to put our mask back on. And Tony Fauci, despite the Cochrane study and the evidence is, is on that team. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. I want to tell you a little bit about our next guest. Joe Grogan is someone I've known for a long time. He served as the top advisor to President Trump in the White House. He was the domestic policy director, uh, meaning all aspects of domestic policy. But where he really excels is healthcare. He used to be at the FDA. He's worked actually for drug companies. He's seen it from the government side, from the drug company side. This is his wheelhouse. And so when the Biden administration announced they were putting 10 drugs immediately on their list for price negotiation, I thought, okay, it's never that simple. It sounds great. It's like the free lunch. Here you go. It's free. Somebody's paying for it, though. There are consequences to it. And what are those consequences? Well, I wanted to bring Joe Grogan in. He served on the coronavirus task force. As I said, he was at the FDA. And he understands the impact of these policies. So If you know someone who takes prescription drugs and is a senior citizen, you are a senior citizen, you are not going to want to miss this conversation. It's going to answer a lot of questions that no one else is asking. Let's get into it. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Look, no better guy to ask about this than you. The Biden administration comes out, they announce these first 10 drugs that are selected for Medicare price negotiations, very popular drugs, Eliquis, Jardians, Zarelto, and a bunch of others that I can't pronounce. Um, but why, why is this? I mean, so they're trying to champion. This is a big thing. If you're on Medicare, you're paying a ton for these drugs. They're going to bring them down. And this is the first 10 more to go. 
if you're the average senior, I think you're probably going, hey, not a bad deal. Why is that not a good thing for seniors? Well, there are a number of problems with it, Sean, and it's great to be here. I mean, number one, it's important to understand this isn't price negotiation. This is price setting. So basically, a, a company gets the call from HHS and they, like you said, they unleash the 11 drugs. You show up and they say, here's the price we're going to offer you for your drug. If they don't take it, the government has the right, supposedly, to take 95% of your profits. That's 95% of your profits, not just for that drug, but for all your drugs that you sell. I mean, if you like everything. So it's not, it's like having a gun to your head. So it's not price negotiation. It's not setting a fair price for the drug. It's whatever the government, whatever a group of bureaucrats who are unelected, frankly, and frequently don't understand, um, you know, the science behind these drugs and why it's important for people, why the drug is so valuable. So that's number one, that's a big problem. It's not price negotiation. Number two, it is already having tremendous ripple effects through the industry. Because look, the big drug companies are going to make their money. They are going to figure out how to make money. I used to work for a drug company that was originally founded as an environmental company. It was developing molecules to help clean up oil spills and pollution. But it found something that we, was very valuable to the human body, and they ended up becoming a huge drug company. Now, they're going to figure out how to make money, but they're killing programs across the industry. So they're looking at what the government is threatening to do here. And they're saying, we can't take the risk. We can't invest a billion dollars. And it takes over a billion dollars to develop a new drug now in the United States. You have to get through FDA. You have to run clinical trials. We can't invest the money to develop these drugs if the government's going to come in on the back end and put a gun to our head and dictate a price to us. So that is really a big problem for patients who are hoping for the next wave of therapies, the next wave of cures for whatever they're facing. So a number of companies have sued, and one of their big arguments is, look, this isn't really negotiation. This is a taking. This is the government come in and taking my property with no due process of, of law. It's similar, frankly, as if, you know, you and I decided, well, wouldn't it be great if we could dictate to General Motors how much we want to pay for a Chevy Suburban? We can just show up and say, okay, how about how about 50 bucks? And if Chevy says, no, we're not going to sell you a Suburban for 50 bucks, you say, okay, we're going to take but all you, your- but at, some point, at some point, doesn't Chevy say, hey, it's not worth making the Suburban anymore, so screw you? I mean, why does whoever make Eloquist or Jardians just say, you know what? You're, we put a billion into this thing. If you're going to screw us, we're just, we'll walk or we're not going to sell it in the United States. Okay. So that is an option. So they have said, look, you can walk from Medicare, but let's just think about Eloquist for a second. That is a really important blood thinner. The reason why it's on the list is because so many patients are on it. It's not because the price in and of itself is, is disproportionately higher, high or it is an unfair price. It's because so many patients are taking it and their lives are being sustained by it. What is, what is the company going to do? Say, we're going to let all these people die and stroke out. They're in a very- But, 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 but you, you're talking about a battle. I get it. I'm not, yes, they might not let them die. But I, the way I hear about this in the media, and this is why I, I think your, your opinion is so valuable on this, is that all I hear 
in the media is the, that Joe Biden's going to take these first 10 drugs, make them more affordable for people. And again, if you're on Eliquis and let's, who knows what you're paying, and suddenly they say, oh, it's $10 to, or 50 to make your Chevy Suburban example. I go, okay. And, and I haven't heard anything on the other side. I haven't heard us peep. And that's why I wanted you on the show, because the Republicans have been silent. The pharmaceutical industry has been silent. Frankly, I don't know that I'd believe them. But I guess my question is, why is it that that you can articulate this argument so well? And for something that would be so life altering and so industry altering, there's been absolute silence. Well, the companies have been launching lawsuits and they've been doing press releases for them. I do think that there is somewhat of a, a media blackout. They don't want to run stories counter to the media narrative, to, excuse me, to the Biden administration narrative, the approved media narrative for it. I do think Republicans are gun shy. Right. They don't want to appear to be on the side of big pharma. And like I'm saying, look, big pharma is going to be fine. They are going to figure out a way to make money. They are going to change their product portfolio. They'll invest in different things. They'll invest in easier things to go after, and they will make money. Make no mistakes about it. So what is at stake? What is at stake are the treatments of the future, the therapies of the future. And it's very difficult to say, look, this therapy is not going to be developed, except for the fact that companies have been announcing that they are killing certain clinical programs. I mean, um, Genentech, a, a brilliant company, uh, announced recently that they were killing an entire uh, clinical program. Eli Lilly is, has killed has killed programs because of it. You know, on and on and on it goes, and the media doesn't pick up on that. They think, but wouldn't uh, it be helpful if you said, I mean, like, let's just say, a pick a pick up an area, and I, I, if you can add specificity, great. But let's say that that was an Alzheimer's drug, or uh, you know, some other. Uh, A1C drug. Wouldn't it be helpful if those industries said this drug or this study that would help this type of people with this problem, we have to kill because of this? Because I don't think people have any clue what's at stake. It's a the way the Biden administration has painted this is this is a great day for consumers. And if you're a consumer, let's say you're paying a hundred bucks for Eliquis or Jardians or Zarelto, and 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 they say, Oh, it's now it's 10, you're going, This is awesome. Thanks, Joe Biden. Right. So I, there, there's two things I want to say. One, I, let's go to your Alzheimer's example, which is a great example, right? Um, because far too many Americans have Alzheimer's. There's no great treatments until very recently. The first new therapy was approved by FDA for some in a class called amyloid plaque inhibitors. And the they reduce the plaque on the brain and they um, which is a key marker of Alzheimer's. And there are clinical tr studies now that show improved function and slowing the rate of disease progression. Not only do these companies now to have to look at Alzheimer's, uh, excuse me, as a, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act is as setting these prices and dictating the prices, but they also have the government saying, we don't want to cover them. We want more proof that it's actually going to extend cognitive function, brain function over a longer period of time. And if you're a, a Alzheimer's patient and you have no options or a family member with no options, the Biden administration is saying, tough, sorry, you've got to be in another clinical uh, uh, study to prove out whether or not this thing works. And if you're not near a place that's running a clinical study 
you are in real trouble. You can't get access to the drug. So that's that's number one. Number two is the companies have been doing press releases and some companies in earnings calls for Wall Street have said, we're killing this program, we're killing that program. But the mainstream media does not want to pick up on this story. And to your point, the Biden administration is driving this all the time, talking about it, and they're from the bully pulpit, and the mainstream media is picking up on it. Now, one last thing I'd say is there there was a bipartisan provision in the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the flat copay for insulin. And that was something that Republicans were strongly in favor of. And that was in in the bill. And that is a real benefit for many uh, people struggling with diabetes. And actually, we've seen an increase in prescriptions getting filled for diabetes since that provision was put into place. But that should be bill that should be understood as a bipartisan uh, achievement. Uh, Susan Collins was a big uh, Senator Susan Collins from Maine was a big proponent of that. It would not have gotten in if it wasn't for all the hard work that Republicans had done. And why there is were that different? Them- why is that different? Why is it okay for insulin under your example and not because okay? They're not setting the they're not setting the prices. It's two different provisions of the law. Okay. It's me as a diabetes patient, it's whatever the the company sets the price. Um, but me as a diabetes patient, I only pay that flat $35 copay, they prohibited wow. anybody from charging more than that. But there are a couple diabetes drugs that are on the list of the drugs to be negotiated. And we'll see how this pl- plays out for diabetes patients and whether or not some programs get killed over time. I think it's tremendously uncertain. The other thing to think about, Sean, is you know the Part D premiums for seniors, a lot of seniors opened up their... Uh, proposed premiums for next year and they went way up you know they they went up over double digit percentage wise which is unheard of they're over uh you know 30 31 dollars 32 dollars uh, a month now and that was always the breaking point that seniors would give up drug coverage right around that price point you start to get up around 34 35 dollars seniors start to give up drug coverage because it really pinches them I think you're going to see the possibility of come springtime when the numbers come out, you're going to see fewer Part D plans for seniors, especially in rural areas. And you could see erosion of the number of seniors that are enrolled in in Medicare drug. I mean, just to play this forward, is this another attempt at trying to get government to take over, i.e. you sort of... uh you dry up the system. You say, oh, look at that. No Part D available. This is costing too much. We need government health care. This is a, another way of forcing the government to get in bed with everybody. Well, Sean, you're a great communicator. You are exactly 100% right. Republicans have to take the lumber to the Democrats on this issue. They have to take the Biden administration to task on this because this is clearly incrementalism. This is one step towards single payer, one more step. And the thing is, the solution to high prices is not fewer choices and less access. The problem with doing what they're doing is it makes getting better more difficult. If there are fewer treatments out there, then it is getting healthy is more difficult. And that's what their proposals are doing uh, across the board is what they're trying to do. So, so let me ask you this right now I have health insurance. And if, so if I get prescribed a drug, I go to CVS or Walgreens or whatever. And I say, this is my 
the drug that the doctor prescribed. And most times, you know, it's $10 or $20. When you, is there such a difference for a lot of these drugs on this list when you're a senior that, 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 that cost goes that much higher? In other words, what problem are they really trying to solve in the Biden administration? Is it that when you don't have private insurance, the drugs cost a lot more under Medicaid or Medicare? Well, it's a, it's a great point. I mean, I think there has been a lot of frustration on a part of Republicans and Democrats, all Americans, on the out-of-pocket costs that seniors pay. And the, frankly, those in, in uh, the young, that aren't on the Affordable Care Act. I don't really like paying my co-pays when I go to the, go to the pharmacy counter. But the, so there's always this talking point of we need negotiate, we need the government to step in and affect, you know, do negotiation. Well, here's the thing. It doesn't necessarily affect your out-of-pocket costs. The fact that your your the top line price has been reduced doesn't necessarily right. mean that your out of out of pocket cost is going to go down. Except for the example I mentioned, which was the different approach they chose with insulin, which is a flat copay for for diabetics who are seeking those. So, drugs. so am I hearing you right by saying let's just say that a bottle of Jardians. Uh, a, a, a reef, a, a bottle of it costs, let's just say a thousand dollars. And my copay is 20. The government comes in and negotiates that down to say $200, but my copay is still going to be 20, right? So I might not actually benefit. A distinct possibility. Then there's nothing that says it can't right. go up. Right. I mean, there's nothing that says it can't go up. You start to tinker with these markets this way. I mean, a lot of those, I mean, so let's suppose your list price on that drug right now is, uh, $600 and the insurer negotiates that, that down to $500, that hundred dollar rebate, as it were, often goes to buy down your drug, uh, coverage premium every month. You get, a, you get 30 cents off or a dollar 20 off, depending on how they're able to do it. Sometimes more, sometimes, right. you know, uh, significant savings in your premium based upon those rebates they collect. Those are all going away. So, so why, when I hear the talking point that we in America pay a lot more than, say, our neighbors up in Canada or other countries, what, what are they doing and why are they getting a better deal, if you will? Uh, and, and why shouldn't we get the same deal that people in other countries get? It, it, nobody is more irritated about this than me, right? The Canadian people should not be paying less than American people. Same with the Europeans. This is what happens in those two markets. The government dictates the prices and the drug companies can walk or take it. Now, the fact of the matter is they make their money here in the United States. That's where they make their profits. So it's just marginal profits overseas. It's a much smaller market in Canada than it is in the United States. It's a smaller market in Denmark. It's a smaller market in England. Now, let me say this, though, Sean, the American people are right to be ticked off about it. But the solution, frankly, is that those markets should pay more and we should pay less. And there are a number of different uh, proposals to get drug prices down besides this price setting mechanism. And Republicans were working with Democrats on a bipartisan solution before Nancy Pelosi walked away from it so they could ram it through on a uh, party line vote. A, a decision, by the way, which may come back to haunt them because there are real legal problems with how the Democrats chose to do it. And there are a number of lawsuits. This is probably going all the way to the Supreme Court. 
And there is a very good chance this law could get struck down for the for a whole host of reasons, but the pre- chief among them being it's really not negotiation, it's a taking which is prohibited by the United States Constitution. So uh, when I read a lot of the the D.C. newsletters about the fights in Washington and what's going to happen when the House comes back, there's this back and forth between pharma, the big drug industry that represents all the the big companies, Amgen, Eli Lilly, et cetera. And then this this other organization that's taking care of what they call the pharmacy benefit uh, PBMs, the pharmacy benefit management. What What is the role of, of each one of those and, and why is there such a, a back and forth between them? Because I don't think a lot of people understand what a PBM is, including myself. So a PBM is a pharmacy benefit manager. So they are specialists in drug price negotiation. When Part D was set up, it created, by George W. Bush, who we both worked for, a Republican, before that there was no uh, drug coverage in Medicare subsidized by the government. So a lot of seniors didn't have any drug coverage. Okay. So George Bush creates part D and the, and rather than have the government come in, which has no skill in negotiation, by the way, the Soviets didn't do a great job negotiating for prices. Why we think the the United States government or any bureaucrat would be good at dictating prices is beyond me. But so they said, look, we're not going to have the government dictate prices the way the Inflation Reduction Act just did. We're going to have the insurers who provide the coverage negotiate the prices down. And they hire specialists, pharmacy benefit managers, to negotiate the price down from, say, $600 to $400, uh, You know, sometimes $80,000 down to $54,000. Now, you pay for a cancer drug, as an example. You, your out-of-pocket costs at the pharmacy counter frequently um, uh, is is unrelated oftentimes to that negotiate that negotiated price down. But the rebate oftentimes does go to buy down the cost of your coverage. So you're able to buy coverage in the first place. Now, the key thing, Sean, you're a veteran of, you've been on this, uh, a member of so many of these fights. You've been a player in so many of these different DC fights. The pharmaceutical companies are the sellers. The p- pharmacy benefit managers are the buyers on behalf of the insurers. So guess what? Sellers and buyers, there's tension. The sellers want a higher price. The buyer wants a lower price. And as often happens, far too often in healthcare, these two industries go to Washington, D.C. and start grabbing congressmen and saying, <laughs> we want you to increase our negotiating leverage we want you to help us make more money uh, from the people we negotiated with. So, so in other words, but if you're a consumer, shouldn't we be on the side of the PBMs to say, great, lower, get, negotiate our prices lower? I think that they, pro- they provide a valuable service. Yes. They, now, the market does not function as efficiently as it should because we have so many government regulations and so many rules that, that prohibit more efficient negotiation and bigger sales. Right. I mean, the pharmaceutical companies should be able to cut big deals with pharmacy benefit managers and with bigger pools of patients as well. There are all sorts of rules, like big discounts they have to give uh, to to Medicaid. Often, oftentimes that do, doesn't translate into better care for Medicaid patients. They have to sell it to hospitals who frequently pocket that money. 
and increase their own profits rather than improving the care of patients. So yes, I look as a patient and I, you know, take drugs from time to from time to time. I want the pharmaceutical company inventing the drugs and making profits and I want somebody negotiating for me on my behalf. They are both essential players in the market. And oh by the way, if you don't have the pharmacy benefit managers, who's going to negotiate right. the the profit the prices? The government. Right. And that is the last thing we as Americans should want. Joe, uh, I know your time is tight. Before we let you go, I, you were on the coronavirus task force. A lot of talk in D.C. about uh, a resurgence of COVID. We need to have more. We're going to have shutdowns. One school in the D.C. area already talked about closing again, more lockdowns, more masks. As somebody who has been through the battle, uh, as we look now towards the fall, what, what should I mean, the president Trump came out and said, don't comply. What is your advice going forward in terms of these mass mandates? We saw the Cochrane study uh, come out and say that they were largely useless. What should we as citizens be equipped to do as we go into the fall? So I think a couple things. One, Sean, we will be dealing with these school shutdown consequences for decades. We did irreparable damage to our nation's youth for decades, for the length of time that we shut down. I, I think we did the right thing, shutting schools down in the spring of 2020 for a couple months, but kids should have been in school that summer. They should have been in school in tents and open air, and they should have been back in in the fall, easy peasy, windows open, get them back in and crank up the heat and let them bundle up. And we didn't do that, and it is going to, it, it is going to haunt us for decades. That's number one. Number two, I think the American people need to be vigilant about what is recommended and the controls that are, are suggested uh, or quote unquote mandated by government. And, you know, I'm, I, they ha they're going to have to get informed and figure out what's best for them. For some people, just to be clear, they may want to wear a mask. I'm not like if you if you feel more comfortable, you have a you have a family member who's struggling with cancer or going through treatment and you want to wear a mask when you go to the grocery store. I don't really care. And I'm not judging that person. But the idea that you're going to say to the entire population, you have to wear a mask to be an acceptable member of society is repugnant and we should reject that. Yeah. Joe, thanks for the service to the country and breaking this down for us because I, I agree with you. I mean, this this is like we're getting sold a bill of goods here by the Biden administration. I don't think people understand the big picture and the consequences. So I really appreciate your expertise, your insight. Break it down. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Sean. Always a pleasure. All right. Great conversation with Joe there. I mean, I, I took so many notes because I don't think people fully appreciate what, what's about to happen to us in terms of not just the short term. I mean, one, I think it's amazing. All this is going to happen. And we don't know if it's even going to save us any money because um, if you pay copays, your copay may just still be the same. Number two, the impact it's going to have on the long-term medical, pharmaceutical industry, all these drugs and these diseases that we want to solve. Like they're, they, These guys are in a business to make money. If they don't think they're going to make money, they're not going to keep investing, as Joe said, a billion dollars. Um, I, I found that fascinating. And then how do we address this issue that Canada and Denmark and what was England, he said, uh, are getting a better deal? Why are we Why are we the ones that pay the bill? I, this should be these. I, I don't get why sometimes for as long as I've done this, why some things are, are partisan. 
What, why is Nancy Pelosi care if Denmark is getting, why are we not the beneficiary of this? We invent these drugs. We are the home of so many of these companies. What, why, is, why are all these other countries getting a better deal? And why isn't there greater outrage? And this is, Joe's right. I mean, I think everybody's so scared. They're in the fetal position. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I get it. But this is why the Biden administration is about to roll us. I always say the rules of the game are important. This is another example. They're going to, the, the rules matter here. They're going to start doing this over and over again. And you're going to, re, and, and maybe in some cases you do feel a short-term benefit because your prescription for, you know, Embril goes down from $20 to 18 or something. But the long-term consequences for fighting these other diseases, cancer, Alzheimer's, heart disease, are going to continue if we don't, the, these drug companies aren't going to invest a billion dollars, several hundred million, if they know the government is going to come in at the end and screw them. I also think to his point about masks and shutdown at the end, I mean, look, Joe went through it all. He was a member of the coronavirus task force with Tr President Trump. Trump came out and said, do not comply. This is where we're headed. I said it early in the show. I mean, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I look forward to your feedback. Go to Locals seanspicer.locals.com. Join my community there. Give me your feedback. I, I just think that this is such, I mean, he's right about the media though. The media has ignored this and just given a very one-sided view. No kidding. Anyway, let me just tell you a little bit of tomorrow. The debate tomorrow, the second Republican debate will be 20 days away. The moderators have been announced. The location has been announced. We're still waiting on the final field, but I think it's pretty much the same. We're going to sit down with Mark Lauder from America First Policy Institute and Aaron Elmore, who's with Turning Point USA and been a contributor for years. And we're going to discuss all things about where we left with debate one and where we are going to think going to head with debate two and what that means for the primary season. Um, so I look forward to that discussion because, as I've said before, it doesn't move the needle. I don't think the first one really did. Will the second one? We will break that down tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great end of your day. See you right back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.